Recording in progress. Oh shit, I said it at the same time as she did. That was creepy as fuck. That's a good sign. I was just Damn, that's a good sign. You know what's also a good sign? <laughs> what? I was just at the uh gas station. I had to stop before I came into town. And uh I saw I saw a guy walk in and I did a double take. I was like, Holy shit, does that dude does that motherfucker have a Hitler stash? Like he, <laughs> he was like dude, like I looked a little closer, dude. He had a totally normal mustache, but it was like grayed on the sides, but just dark. <laughs> dark right there. <laughs> so he's got his like unfortunate I, graying. <laughs> I feel I feel like also too that might be kind of he tried to get away with some shit. I mean, it could be just like you said, top unfortunate gray. He can't help it, or he could be like he could look at the mirror and be like, <laughs> and started like you know maniacally chuckling and shit. <laughs> It's kind of the uh, what's the editor of the newspaper in Venom? He's kind of got that. Oh going. yeah. Oh oh oh, Dave. Uh, what's this motherfucker's name, bro? J J Jonah Jameson. Yeah, but was that the actor? Yeah, name? yeah, yeah. That's right. Joe no, J. I think J. that's J. the guy's name. That's the guy's name. I mean, that, that, that's an yeah. interesting thing. Like unfortunate graying. Like, could you imagine if Hitler also had um, if he was horseshoe bald, or just bald in general? <laughs> It's like every guy that's horseshoe bald from then on would feel so like so empowered. <laughs> oh no, be bad. Like yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on your politics, I guess. Yeah, right. depend- well, yeah, yeah, not necessarily. What, but it's like that's something that happens, like an aesthetic choice that happens, like like through no fault of your own to a lot of men is associated with like. <laughs> One of history's all-time villains. They could have rocking a Hitler baldy. Look at him. <laughs> Look at this Hitler baldy motherfucker. Nah, you got to but now, completely bad. Well, but now you've got like, you know, my Aunt Brenda came to me one time. This is like, you know, back when like the, uh, well, what would go on to become synonymous with Richard Spencer, but before it was like associated with him, that haircut that's like, uh-huh. you know, the fade with the comb over. Yeah. My yeah. Aunt Brenda yeah. told me one time when I was an early adopter of that, before it got played and before later on it got associated with Nazis, and my Aunt Brenda <laughs> came to me one time, she said, I got to talk to you. I said, What you got to talk to me about? She's like, That haircut of yours. I didn't want to say this, dude, but you know what that reminds me of? I was like, What's there, what do you want me to do? I was, what does that remind you? She goes, it kind of looks like Hitler Youth. And <laughs> she wasn't wrong, but I guess, you know, at the time, it was what was happening <laughs> with White Boy Hater. You know, so. it, t- it, t- it, t- it took time to catch up, you know what I'm saying? It took, uh, you know, it took the forces of, uh, of, uh, of uh, justice and history, man, to catch up, I guess. Brenda was, yeah, she was definitely ahead of time. I hesitate to tell this story. I can never tell if my mom listens anymore or not. But, Mom, if you're listening, I'm not picking on you. I just thought this was a really hilarious story. She was like, she called me one day, and she was talking about a family member of ours who recently started, like, a new medication. And it was just like a, I think it's just like SSRI or something like that. She was like, I'm really worried, though. You should talk to him. I'm really scared he's going to wind up like the Canadian guy who cries all the time. (laughs) I was like, I was like, Jordan Peterson. I was like, Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, bro. The fact that that's all you got to say to Canadian guy who cries all the time, 
It could be only one or two people. I don't know who the other person is. Y'all could probably pick somebody, but it's only Jordan Peterson. It's only, one of those that, that's true. There's only one guy in America who would be known as the Canadian guy who cries all the time. <laughs> I don't well, even think we have an American version of a guy that cries all the time, yo, do we? Who's the guy that cries all the time? Uh, Glenn Beck. He was that way. Glenn yeah, Beck was Glenn like Beck a really sad Glenn Beck, you're right. He, he you're cried right. all the time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We you know, maybe it's a sign that these guys are getting cooked when, like, people that, like, aren't necessarily as dialed into this stuff as we are are, like, making fun of them. Like, that's got to be a positive sign. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Peterson, you're right. Peterson thought is on borrowed time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it would be worse if, like, you know, your neighbor was, uh, which I'm sure some of you listening out there do have neighbors that are into Jordan Peterson. But it'd be far more troubling if your neighbor was like, yo, I got to show you this shit. Yo, come inside real quick. You know, he's smoking a blunt with the boy. He puts on like a Jordan Peter Jordan Peterson podcast. Yeah, that'd be yeah. Well, the, <laughs> he's trouble. The thing, like the, some new fucking record, some shit like that. No, the thing about yeah. him though is like his output. Like, there, there's got to be like a graph out there that shows like Jordan Peterson's output and Jordan P- Jordan Peterson crying, and like at a certain point, <laughs> his crying content is going to over. It's going to overlap his regular content so it's like it'll be harder and harder to find any like your boy's gonna call you in and show you a video but it's just gonna be a guy crying like like it's just it's just a guaranteed like it's just like probability just guarantees that the more that he produces content the <laughs> yes. more you will see him cry yeah <laughs> it's peterson's law the more content <laughs> he produces <laughs> <laughs> the more you'll the see longer you stay making content in a long enough timeline you're just going to get the reputation as the crying guy yeah you will you will uh-huh you will. that that I is think tr- i weeped already on one podcast once you know that is like it that is like a truism for right wingers it's like the more content they make um there is going to be either a greater possibility of them crying or posting the most disgusting food, like entrees imaginable, like plates of like uh, you know the powdered mashed potatoes with like a pound of butter melting in the middle of it or something. Yeah, you know? yeah with the foil still on the fucking butter. <laughs> or or third thing too, uh, I mean they're more likely to say uh, to accidentally say a slur that they normally would not say on air. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like the shit that they're comfortable with saying. Like they're just gonna say the n word possibly they, or another slur. Yeah, so, you know, that, that's that's another. Yeah. That, that is interesting. Like to the average American, they are absolutely disgusting and bizarre. It's like they're crying and eating they disgusting food. <laughs> <laughs> they are crying into their fucking disgusting mashed potatoes and shit like that. Nah, man. <laughs> it's like we talked about this one. But it's like Tim Pool. It's like Tim Pool say talk about. Nor- y'all y'all leftists y'all snowflakes or whatever whatever term you call leftists y'all uh-huh. would never come you you woke you woke us you would never come to uh virginia it's west like, virginia. motherfucker. West yeah virginia. you would never west virginia it's like motherfucker you would you would cry if they told you to take off your beady dog you know what i'm saying like <laughs> can we they talk about that you. for a second that was one of the most I, that's kind of an old news item that slipped through that we never got to discuss but there is nothing worse than people in the Appalachian movement getting gassed up about the rough-hewn ways of the mountains that you just don't understand and don't come around here, you know, knocking, asking for trouble. When the reality is, is like, literally nobody gives a fuck what you do as long as you don't bother anybody else. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like also, too, it's like, 
I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't. I live like in a more like a, a suburban area right outside of Atlanta. But even like going out a little bit further where I'm at, yo, like I mean, like that's pretty fucking rural. And the people there are very kind, you know. Like at least the people that I've seen. I mean, you know, if you go a little further, you know, uh, a little further up of North Georgia, when you start seeing Confederate flags flying, maybe then. I mean, but even those people, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like, dude, you don't like you. There's this idea that like. I mean, and it's kind of like fetishized in a way, right? Because I see the same thing like in poverty, you know? You see the same thing, this fetishization. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, yo, these people are not some like ruffian, like, you know, like hardback motherfuckers. They're actually pretty chill people, more or less, you know what I'm saying? We're reveling in politics, you know? Yeah. Well, I found as a general rule, like the people that are like the real shit kicker, like country, God and soil, whatever, blah, blah, blah types. They're always the people that go looking for trouble. Like they antagonize people. They it's not mm. they don't they don't just chill in the cut and then these city slickers come fuck with them and then they shoot them like that's in their mind. They actually go out of their way to try to antagonize and like trigger people and stuff like that. Yeah. They're assholes. And yeah. usually petty bouge like assholes, not like yes. just normal ass working people. You know what I mean? Exactly. They usually are petty bouge. Like their parents are fucking rich or you know, they own like a big ass truck or some shit like that. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, speaking of the South and symbols of the South, uh, there's an interesting article in the New York Times I saw today. Whiskey fungus fed by Jack Daniels encrusts a Tennessee town. Have you guys heard about this? Oh, it's, it's some Last of Us shit, bro. <laughs> oh, I'm, is, is that is that okay? So, I'm not seeing the show, but if, it's horrible. Don't see it. Okay, if good. that's the premise of the show, they should do. What the fungus is is a whiskey fungus because we made too much bourbon because of the all stars and guys like Tim Pool, like we made too much fucking bourbon. <laughs> Yo, you, you imagine oh though? If it was like, I mean, this is like not to get off topic, but if it was spread by whiskey or by any kind of alcohol at all, yo, Earth would be over quick, bro. Yeah, you done. Population zero. I don't know if it's just that's a good point. I I don't know if it's just whiskey or not. It's an ethanol-fueled fungus known as whiskey fungus. Um, it coats, it makes like a, a dark sooty crust. It's blanketed cars, homes, road signs, bird feeders, patio furniture, and trees. Um, and it's partially because of the Jack Daniels distillery in, what is the town that that's in? Uh, Lincoln County, Lynchburg. Tennessee? It's like yeah, I the, think it's this, like Lynch, Lynchburg. Tennessee, yeah, I think maybe. I think you're right. It's it keeps expanding. Um, they keep adding like more more barrel houses. Um, and so they're spreading the uh, they're spreading the fungi uh, flesh eating virus. They're spreading. They're spreading it and, intentionally, <laughs> and all it needs is like vapors from the alcohol itself to mm. to like feed. To grow. And this is a fungus. This is a fungus, you say, right? Yeah, it's a fungus. That's that's the scary thing about fungus, man. I feel like I mean, I'm not a scientist or anything. I'm not a whatever the word is, mycologist. Is that the uh, word? Yeah, no, it's mycologist. That up. Yeah. Um, I I just feel like like from what I've heard, at least, I think that's the thing in Last of Us, right? Is that like fungus are incredibly like hardy, you know, and mm. incredible like difficult to kill, and they kind of like I mean, just the fact that this thing just needs air, you know, it's kind of kind of troublesome mm-hmm. well that's what a lot of people are saying and i didn't know if this was like one of those art imitating life things because last of us was kind of having that cultural moment it had a few weeks ago but mm-hmm. like weren't people at the cdc saying like the next one of the next pandemics could be like a f- fungal 
in nature. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that too. Man. Oh shit, dog. Yo, we got to start thinking about the apocalypse crew. Bro. Well, it's it's a, okay, it's an interesting thing to think about. <laughs> Would you rather go out by fungus or by virus? If you had to take mm. your pick. I'd have Personally. more respect for the virus cuz I'm more interested with what viruses do. Okay. Yeah. I, I got to respect the hardiness of the fungi, man. I mean, I, yeah, I'm kind of with you, Aaron. I kind of like the uh, image of me like trying to walk to the car and the fungus is spreading out and it's taking over my legs and it's reaching up and it's going into my asshole and into my dick hole. <laughs> and, and it's like that slow. Is, you know, that is a good point. <laughs> you guys just won me to fungus because... <laughs> viruses are a little bitch ass like they get in there and like it's like a kid or a cat that runs across your computer keyboard and just like fucks everything up and then bounces you know what I mean <laughs> it's true like a virus is the most bitch ass thing in the it's micro true. germ world viruses are like the little bitch ass motherfuckers of, the, of that one that's true like, yeah, at least, right. at least yeah, a fungus yeah, will stand on its own too and straight up take over your shit <laughs> Well, and they'll probably make you do some crazy stuff. Rabies is kind of the weird overlap where, like, the virus can make you do things that you don't want to do. But, like, I feel like yeah, that's the yeah. thing with fungus, right? Like, there's aren't there, like, fungi that, like, take over wasps and shit and, like, turn them into... Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one that last of us. I think, yeah. Okay. Which is based on a real virus, apparently. But, you know, they, I don't know. See, but, I, like, I respect yeah, that. I like, respect that. I, re- I respect that too. I respect the. Uh, well, I mean, you know. Then well, again, I guess that's colonization, right? It, well, yeah. I don't know if I respect that's colonization. That's true. I don't know if I respect <laughs> col- <laughs> the mayo ass. Wow. Fungus. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now, now that I've jumped on board, you two guys are jumping off. I'm the only guy on the fungus boat now. Huh? <laughs> let's yeah, let's sorry, go Tom. deep. Let's talk about phages and let's talk about bacteria. <laughs> well. I will say, with a fungus, you might get some cool... I've not seen The Last of Us, but, like, I mean, hopefully the writers are having fun with it. Like, you would think that, like, if you became a fungus, you would ha- have some crazy... Because, you know, I'm balding. I would like to have yeah. some crazy, like, fungal growth come out of my head that gives me yeah. my he- full head of hair back, but it, like, looks cool, like a, yeah. a fungi you, you afro. Saw the, you saw the boss. But see, yeah, I like half. I want to. Fun- you see, Terrence, I want a fungal afro. <laughs> you want a fuck fro? But you see, your your ball spot, <laughs> your ball spot will look cooler than mine though. Because like, at least yours is centered, right, on the crowd. Uh-huh. Like, I got this weird shit right here, so I would just look kind of grotesque and like I had a horn or some shit like that. You know what I mean? But I fuck with it though. Like, right, let's do a like little, let's do a little baldness check. Everybody, everybody, pull your hat off for a sec. Let's see where we're all at. This way. Here you go, dude. You can't. Shit, you can't, dude, Tom, you didn't, you didn't have like a fucking damn dot right there. So damn, you the, guys. The are. irony of this is none of us can see each other's bald spots because we're literally looking yeah, we're down. All, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all looking down to show each other and not looking. Yo, that makes me feel better though, bro. Aaron's bald spot is tight because it it don't even look like a bald spot. It just looks like you took a some clippers and like accidentally went too hard. Yes, and accidentally. <laughs> Be like my mom gave me a haircut, yo. Don't judge me. Don't laugh. Don't judge me. Well, yeah, dude, get off my ass. <laughs> oh man. Well, so yeah, what's be- your strategy for dealing with it? I've got my own idea. I don't know. I'm gonna run it by you guys right now. I'm thinking Terry Bradshaw power donut. Yeah, dude. I think, it that, right. I'll I'll just- think that needs to. It needs to come back. 
Wait, what, what, what is that? What is that? Just, so just like, just like around the sides and back, just growing it crazy down. Whatever you can grow, just let it let it ride, you know? Oh, just let it ride down there? Yeah. Okay. Smooth okay. Mr. Mr. Clean on top, but sides and back is just unruly. <laughs> like a little rat tail or some shit like that? Alternatively known as the Bernie Sanders, too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the Bernie but, but Bernie's still got a little bit up top. Like Larry David would be the more uh, apt Yeah, that would be more apt, apt. yeah. Because he got like a mane down there. I don't know what the fuck it's doing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Kind of cool though. You can't be hating. He got hair. Tell right you now. how you don't want to deal with it is seventies Biden. Um, He's growing oh, all this shit like on the side, car- plus like holding <laughs> on to whatever was on top a little too tightly. Not good. Looking like a sle- sleazy used car salesman or some shit. Dude, yeah, looking like goddamn uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Christian Bale in American Hustle or something like that. <laughs> well, I'm confused about this fungus because did it exist before human beings started distilling alcohol? Like, what is the history of this goddamn or it, thing? Or did it only I come remember, about? Go ahead, Tom. I just don't want to cast any stones because we had our own problem whiskey fungus up here in the Bluegrass State too, Jim Beam, a few yeah. years ago, and people complained about it, but you know. Mostly just let it ride because bourbon at the time was the world's third most uh, expensive liquid behind printer ink and crude oil. <laughs> so, uh-huh. what? Yeah. Holy shit. I don't know where it ranks today, but. Maybe fourth or fifth. Surely printer yeah, ink has gone. Much. Surely printer ink has gone down. Like, people aren't printing as much as they used to. Surely. You think people print shit? Surely not. You're probably right. Man, you're right. This is some mayo ass colonizing shit. This fucking fungal. Um, it, it, look at this long uh, hair I got on my forehead. And just uh, black in color. <laughs> um, frequently observed phenomenon of warehouse staining reported originally from the walls of buildings near brandy maturation warehouses in Cognac, France. Oh wait, um, that's the actual name of a place. Oh, dude, I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I live in Conan. <laughs> That's just liquor, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. Is Hennessy a place, too? Like, are all these places just named after places? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Vodka is I know Bordeaux's a place, right? And Brittany is a place Bordeaux. in France. But, I yeah, I don't know. I didn't know about the other. Dude, this Cognac is... Life finds a way. I love this. It has been recorded as a food source with the whiskey fungus of snails and slugs through the radula marks left following grazing. Is that a plot point in The Last of Us? Are there snails and slugs that eat the fungus? No. Because if not, they missed out. They missed out. What the fuck? Also, too, maybe even if this, even if this, uh, this fungus was life threatening, maybe we should just let it rock because it's taking care of the little uh, mollusk. You know. Yeah. You know, I think we should Which means it's not going to be long before Jordan Peterson gets it. <laughs> <laughs> little mollusk that he is. He he probably cries so much that there will be a specialized like fungal su- subspecies in hit in the walls of his house that like cr- are created by the vapors of his tears. <laughs> this is creation of his tears. The solidity that'll of his be tears. the start of the the big one. <laughs> oh my. God, Holy shit, man. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, um, man, what else did I read? So, 
this week. So, so is it life? Is it wait? Just to close out, is it life threatening? This fungus? Do we really have anything to worry about? As an apo- as, a, as an apocalyptician, I'm very concerned, um, excited uh, about the end of the world. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it apparently shows no known like um, dangers to humans. I guess that we know of, but it it's possible. Come on, God, hurry it up, dog. Yeah, come what on, you for, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting on? <laughs> Jesus, dude. Yeah, keeping a sense of suspense over here. Right, for real. Oh, God, man, no, oh, man. The apocalypse business—it's just. I was just saying something the other day. I I had watched a little bit of Last of Us, and not even Pedro Pascal could save it for me. But <laughs> did you see like the lineup of? Like Peacock's offerings this year? Nah, I do have Peacock. I think it comes free with Comcast. What the, what they got? Listen, not one, not two, but three Walking Dead spinoffs. Wait, what? Dog, didn't they just end other shit that failed? Bro, Fear of the been Walking Dead in that shit like crazy. That's so depressing. Let me yo. tell you Is what that- happened to me. It's yeah. Uh, it's like if we want to talk about like uh, the banal apocalypse. I'm in the gas station a couple weeks ago. And I had my T-shirt on, um, uh, City of the Living Dead T-shirt on. I found my buddy Mark, shout out to buddy Mark, found that for me and sent it to me. And the guy goes, oh, you like Lucio Fulci? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a sucker for these old Italian gore hounds, you know, and whatever, whatever. And uh, he had a Walking Dead uh, shirt on. And I was like, He's like, yeah, he's like, have you been watching the new, you know, kind of pointed gesture toward his shirt? I was like, man, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know that was still on. (laughs) He goes, yeah, it's in its 13th season or whatever. (laughs) What? And I'm like, like, I remember tapping out on The Walking Dead in like season four or five, like even before like fucking Glenn died. Remember? Like Stephen Young was in it back in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. But, and I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way they're getting any more mileage out of that goddamn franchise. And mm. they sure the fuck mm. are. And not only that, but there's a cottage industry around it where they have like the <laughs> they had like the talk show that would come on after it. Are they, they deliberate? Dead. Are they doing dead. like Yellowstone type prequels like Walking Dead eighteen fifty seven or something? Yes. The crawling dead? The crawling dead, the dead climb out of the primordial ooze. And before you know it, like The Walking Dead's going to be like the Ernest movies. Like the, wa- the Walking Dead uh, goes to kindergarten. The Walking Dead, the walking dead goes, goes to jail. Yeah, yeah. The Walking Dead goes to camp. You know, it's like, The Walking Dead goes to France. Please. Nah, yo, actually, you know what? I will say, Todd, that you're right. That's bleaker. The fact that that show. Is still running for 13 seasons and they're milking it is bleaker than the actual apocalypse depicted in The Walking Dead. <laughs> like, let me ask you a question. If you were looking, staring down the barrel of three Walking Dead spinoffs <laughs> or the actual Walking Dead just populating your neighborhood and you got to be like careful when you go outside and go get supplies and stuff. What are you taking? I'm taking. I'm taking. I'm taking a real Walking Dead, bro. That shit's way more exciting, bro. Darren says I'll go out and actually just offer up my flesh <laughs> and join join them. <laughs> Run towards them, like with your arms embraced, hugging. Yeah, yeah. Fuck me up, daddy. I'm ready to join you. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I joke about the nuclear bomb. I run it towards that shit, bro. Not away from. Yeah. Me. <laughs> so anyway, 
I was genuinely shocked The Walking Dead is still still going. You know what, too, man? They're going to have, they're gonna have like an elderly, you know what I mean? The retired behold dead? The retired dead? Like, the, the ambling dead, you know? The, am, the ambling dead? Yeah. The traipsing, the traipsing the, dead? The shuffling dead, yeah. It's like, you know, in like uh, 28 days later, the zombies were like fast. Yeah, you know, it's like it's going to be the exact opposite. Of that. They're going to be even slower than they normally. <laughs> even <Yeah>. slower. <laughs> nah, you know how Dawn of the Dead they get lo- they get stuck in a in a mall in the mall. Uh, yeah, instead, yeah. it's going to be a retirement home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it'll be the opposite. Like they'll be in the retirement home. You know what I mean? And oh, we'll, getting attacked by the zombies. They'll what be getting. Is- oh, if- they'll be getting attacked by. Th- the humans who are working in the retirement home in the you, retirement home you know you know what i mean like they'll they'll yeah, be yeah. they'll be and there'll be like this meta commentary where it's like oh the real monsters were the living <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean I'm not gonna lie to you. If, if you so were like, actually the real evils and all of us that's living we're the ones there's more humanity in the dead in the de- <laughs> We should all aspire to be dead. Nah, but but could you imagine? Could you imagine though, like being a zombie and coming up on a retirement home? Dog, yeah. that's so clutch, man. Dude, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> so yeah. Easy, eating man. good, eating good, <laughs> like stealing uh, candy from a baby. Eating real good right now. <laughs> what Yo, is this? What is America's obsession with zombies, though? What's it rooted in? Is it rooted in we're a death-defying is- culture? Death defying in a culture uh, steeped in death, you know, built upon a little giant graveyard, maybe. Well, I, I mean, I think, anything zombie goes off like wildfire. I don't I, get it. I think the history of it is kind of reactionary. I think the history of it is kind of linked, the modern history of it, anyways, is kind of linked to like drug use. That, like, it's supposed to be a metaphor for people that are like, <clears throat> you know, junkies and, uh, you know, weed heads, reefer heads. Like, they're all zombies, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if that was George Romero's original vision, but it, it, I do feel like it took on those kind of tones. Connotation in the sixties. You no, know, you, you might be right. You, you might be right too, because I was looking this up. Uh, I was actually googling some of the other night, man. When I was high, I was on like a wiki hole, and I was looking up zombies, which like you know, in Haitian voodoo or Caribbean voodoo, or like I think even West African voodoo, like zombies are like an actual thing. But apparently, like. It has that double, like, kind of, like, relation where it is sort of related. It is related to, like, this this voodoo, this black voodooism, but also as a metaphor for blackness, I guess. Okay. This is an argument that somebody was making. I was like, okay. Yeah. Once again, black people come up with everything. Okay. Where's my residuals, bro? Where's my residuals, George? I, I want to be eating off the walking dead. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Is, is that guy still in it? Is uh, What's his name? Is his name Andrew Lincoln, the actor? The guy that played, uh, I forgot all the actors' names, man. Who plays Rick? I never watched it, so I don't. I don't. We gotta say, not another one. We gotta check in with friend of the show, Tony Moore. Who didn't he? Tony illustrated some of that stuff, right? Oh, I think we gotta see if Tony's eating good off the Walking Dead spinoffs. Yeah, no, I hope so. The comics, the comics were tight though. I'm not gonna lie. The comics were dope. Um, That's the case. Which is cool, man. Keep eating, big dog. <laughs> yeah. Keep eating, brother man. Yeah. No hate to you, man. Um. Well, speaking of zo- speaking of some zombies, The Walking Dead, the um, it seems like everything I've read in the last week has been in some way related to the quote unquote like crisis in higher ed. 
So there was what is the crisis in height? I'm sorry, but what is the crisis? Well, height Ed was a whole crisis for me because I fucking hated school, so I don't understand what is the, the whole what thing is the, was a crisis. I dropped out. <laughs> yeah, I dropped out. That's why you know. But what what is the crisis in height right now? Like, well, there's there's several. Okay, so like the New York Times posted that op-ed about, I mean, uh, what was it? It was like um, I had it pulled up. My liberal campus is pushing free thinkers to the right. You know, that one. You know, it's just like your box standard, like, cancel cultures running amok in, in my college campus. Um, uh, which, you know, we can read if you want. It's a little banal for my taste, but it's like uh, there might be something good in it. Um, but uh, But then there was also an article in The New Yorker about how humanities majors are like declining at a precipitous rate rate um you know like Is, English. does that include oh wait humanities doesn't include writing and literature and that kind of stuff right that's that's it does that's liberal arts right no that's it it's okay. humanities like history okay wait. Okay, history, like okay, all of that, all of the, all of the soft as, shit for the soft. As soon as we let women in STEM, that <laughs> okay. was the writing was on the wall for the humanities. <laughs> the soft, the soft curriculum. That's the what soft. that's what we talking about. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> the soft, the soft motherfuckers. Okay, that's what we talking about. All right, like that. It's like declining at a precipitous clip. Mm. You know, English majors, history majors, philosophy majors. Um, so that's another Un- crisis. Underwater basket weaving major. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like Polynesian glassmakers. Okay, but yeah. yeah. Uh, there's that, and then there was another article I read, and we touched on it like a week, like two weeks ago, maybe two Patreon episodes ago about the um revival at Asbury university in kentucky um because i read it the new york times finally had a write-up about it called woodstock for christians revival draws thousands to kentucky town over two weeks more than fifty thousand people descended on a small campus chapel to experience the nation's first major revival spiritual revival in decades one driven by gen z um and the point of that are i thought I don't know why I thought Gen Z was a name you were saying. You mean Generation Z? I <laughs> Generation. You person. I was like, who the fuck yeah. is Gen Z? Gen, <laughs> Gen <Jennifer> Z. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they. Like, and the whole point of this article was that like young kids are, um, you know, they they're they don't know what to make of the future. They don't know what to make of their lives. They don't know how to derive meaning from existence. And so, like the TikTokers and Gen Zers are turning to a little spoiler for you guys it doesn't get any clearer (laughs) (laughs) she aged (laughs) you wait for a wild ride actually Uh, good luck though (laughs) (laughs) um so uh so you know like we could take any of these crises you know for a spin i guess we could do it like a pick your choose your own adventure me personally i kind of like to read read a little bit about the uh, decline in humanities majors uh me too i was a humanities major that's why i was that's why i was curious yeah. i was writing i was writing a literature major yeah you know what we all dropped out that's why they're not we all dropped out 
I will go ahead and tell you. You can't something. get a fucking job. There, there's there's nothing that says humanity's major like this goddamn Zoom screen right now. <laughs> you're right. You're right. These are if you're these these are men that thought that it was all gonna shake out fine as philosophy majors. You know what I mean? It is- Literally, dog. No, I was like, I don't want to work a day of my life. I just want to sit on my ass and make shit up and have people be like, oh, okay, and stroke their chin. That is like that is the ultimate like thing. Like reading the testimonies and stories in this New Yorker article, it's like, you know, like people enter the humanities because uh, they want to learn how to write or they want to learn about the world, or become more cultured. Um, a lot of them want to teach, uh, but. It's like, yeah, noble, I noble effort. No, yeah, noble effort. I was a history major, um, but the thing about life that you start to realize as you get older is that, like, no matter what decisions you made in your late teens or early twenties about your career, some fucked up shit's probably going to happen, and you'll wind up with a podcast that'll make you essentially unemployable by the vast. <laughs> <laughs> Sector. Where if if I wanted a if I wanted a big boy job, I would have to scrub my social media so they couldn't see how many times I threatened with mortal threats politicians. Exactly. How many nah, times I said nigga? Be. I gotta be like, okay, don't don't look at this shit. Hopefully by then it'd be fine, you know. Yeah. Hopefully it's like then. no, yeah. I had noble goal. I was like, I'm I'm hitting major history. Go work for some nonprofits. Go be a teacher. And then, but yeah, before you know it, you've ruined all your prospects and all of those yeah. fields. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so, but I don't know. Anyways, let me just read some. Let me just read some. You know, excerpts from this article. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like it starts off, and the author is talking with some students around campus, and you know, he's like interviewing them. He goes to Arizona State University and Harvard. Like those are the two universities he spends the most time at. Um, and he's like interviews people, and and these students are like. You know, you're classic. Like, why would I major in English? Like, I'm not going to get a fucking job in English. Like, I'm going to. I can read, motherfucker. I can read read English. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Fuck you trying to say. (laughs) It's like, and, um, and so, like, you know, he's like trying to, you know, figure out, like, what, why are, because, because the thing is, he puts out like statistics and like humanities majors have declined like by a third in the last decade. And, um, so, for example, I think that, like, at Arizona State University, like, English majors has dropped from, like, 30, I think, like, 30% of people getting degrees were going in the humanities in, like, the 90s, and then it was, like, 20% in the tw- 2000s, and now it's something around, like, 12%. Like, no one God is- damn! <laughs> and, like, this presents a huge pro- problem for, like, PhD, you know, and postgrad um you know tracks too because there at this point there are more you're gonna teach if nobody's like exactly interested in it exactly there are more people in post-grad programs than there are jobs now to um fill those positions you know what i'm saying so like there's more people competing for these highly selective jobs and you know people can't let me ask a question do you all think that's do y'all think that's sort of been a deliberate plot for the right to take over the academy Mm. Yeah. I t- Instead of because you know what that that I was gonna say, Tom, that's a good point because I think most people think that they just want to destroy it, right? Uh, Completely. Yeah, right. But like, what to just like kind of make it vacuous and scoop it out, and then just you know, I mean, 
I mean, make it more like low, like, you know, uh, K through 12 in a lot of states, you know, municipalities already is, you know? Yeah. Or whatever Ron like, I noticed is doing in fucking Florida. I live close to UK's campus and I was driving through there and the newest building was called like the, uh, like the C.M. Gatton Institute for Entrepreneurship. And I think at University of Louisville, they've got the funnily titled <laughs> Papa John Schnatter Center for Entrepreneurship <laughs> or something like that. Yo, is that legit? It's is like that real? Te- they if, teach courses on slurs. Like- <laughs> yeah, slurs and how to eat 58 pizzas for quality control purposes. <laughs> How to sweat. Not even how to make them. (laughs) How to lose your CEO position to none other than Little John. (laughs) Like, if you're going to make, like, an institute that just celebrates and teaches rapacious capitalism, make sure that your standard bearer is not an absolute buffoon. That's a good first step. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, But so, yeah, so, like, I, to answer your question, Tom, I, it, this article gets into it. I think that it's partially because there has been a more focus on STEM, but I don't know if it's just from the right wing because, like, as the article points out, like Obama was one of the biggest boosters of STEM and STEM major, like majoring in STEM and, and STEM fields of discipline. Um, and another big part of it is that in the course of the 20th century – this is a weird this is a really weird thing. In the course of the 20th century, a lot of funding for humanities came from the US government, specifically the CIA and like state and defense departments. Um yeah. and like that for humanities produced, programs for humanities programs, right? And so yeah. like That's like kind of how like, the Paris Review got founded, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a, a bunch of magazines kind of spun off and were received a lot of like CIA funding and stuff like that. Um, and they were explicitly anti-communist, right? It was like explicit, they could be liberal, it right? Was explicitly, but they couldn't. Yeah, explicitly anti-communist. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that part of it was this, you know, this notion of like empire building and like literary canon and like, um, you know, creating like a unified American literary canon that like intellectuals could rally around, and that that could become a a ladder for social mobility. And, like, me personally, like, when I went to college, I kind of saw it that way. It's just like, oh, I'm getting a history degree, but, like, uh, maybe this will in some way, you know, encourage my own social mobility in some way. It, spoiler yo, alert, it did not. <laughs> but Oh, yeah, it did not with me either. I was like, yo, dude, I'm going to be able to – I'm going to be able to fucking – I want to be a writer. I'm going to be a journalist, and, you know, I could yeah. work my – maybe I'll fucking work at the New Yorker office, you know what I'm saying? The slush pile, and I'll look through that shit, and then – and then, like, you know, like, 10 years later, you know, I'm fucking I'm doing this shit. You're doing this shit. <laughs> I'm doing this shit. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, too, though, when if you, if you look at sort of the, like, the sort of landfill that is, like, whatever passes for intellectualism on the right. Like, we're talking about, like, you know, the right wing sort of emphasis on STEM, but, like, in recent years with, like, the proliferation of the aforementioned Peterson thought and so forth. Uh-huh. These guys are really like into reading like Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Yeah. Yeah. All about yeah. these the, kinds the of classics. like, uh, the, the classics, antiquities yeah, classics. Yeah, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is true. That is true. It is. There has been a, 
to the extent that there has been any renewed interest in the humanities at that level, it feels like it's in some ways led by, you know, reaction. Fascist. 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 Literally fascist. Yeah, I don't know, man. But also it's like, you know, when I was in that, I mean, when I was in that major, I think it got... I, mean, I don't know, man. When, when I, I used to read like these short stories because I always wanted to like be a novelist or before I even want to be a journalist. And I always used to read these short stories and novels, and these were writers who weren't like successful financially, but there was a place for them in society. You know, yeah. it felt like, and I don't mean to be like the tortured artist where oh, nobody reads anymore, but like on some real shit. I mean, like there's less an incentive to now you do it because you love writing right i'm talking about writing specifically because i do that i don't really have hopes of getting published because of the way that the market is now because of like the fact that i just don't think during the pandemic people there was a resurgence in reading right because people didn't really have anything to do they had more time yeah but i guess my point is saying that like yeah the way the market is it's just not very financially like it's just not smart to like unless you want to do it because you have a passion for it like or you want to teach but then, right. like we were just talking about, who's going to sit in those seats for you to teach, you know? Yeah, personally, for me, like, w- the whole reason that I did it in the first place is, like, paradoxically, because my parents didn't go to college. Like, my dad didn't go to college. Mm. My mom went to college only when I was, like, in late middle school, early high school, so that she could become a teacher. But, like, I, you know, wasn't raised in an intellectual household. Like, the most my parents read was, like, the Bible and... Like T Boone Pickens autobiography and shit. <laughs> the only two books you need. The only two books you need. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like I was like, okay, hey, so now I'm gonna. Hey, go. I too. I, <laughs> I too read the first billion is the hardest. <laughs> so like, but, but yeah, so that's like a good point, going, Terrence, yeah, go going ahead, to college, go I was like, okay, well then now yeah. I can finally be surrounded by intellectuals and can learn about like lofty <laughs> ideas and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I can read I, Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> <laughs> I can read Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah. I guess I went. To, yeah, I went to school too because my parents never went to college either. So it's kind of like you know, and like my parents, you know, like they were they they you know encouraged like my education shit. But it was kind of like, well, I'm gonna get to be around and do the things that they didn't get to. They didn't get to do. Yeah, and I'm like. Ugh, that was a dumb idea. Yeah. <laughs> better off selling drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well. There are definitely, like, I think most students now are making that calculus. Like, uh, they're saying, you know, I'm not going to be able to get a job in humanities, blah, blah, blah. But there are some interesting threads in this article. Um, so let me just, you know, read a little bit from this. One misty afternoon, a Harvard junior named Henry Haimo Hamo took me. <laughs> Hambo. Like, so I'm, I'm sorry. Hambo, I'm sorry. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, bro. <laughs> um, Henry, if you're out there and you're a Chill Billy's fan and you're a junior at Harvard University, I apologize. <laughs> we, we apologize for laughing at you. Um, took took me for a walk down Dunster Street. Uh, and it sounds like Dumpster Street. <laughs> yeah, what are these names, bro? Come on. <laughs> you got fucking Mr. Himbo walking on Dumpster Street. <laughs> Come on, bro. Mr. Himbo. Okay. Some Dr. Seuss shit. Who fuck wrote this, man? <laughs> it's like everything. This is like re- the world of Richard Scary or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know why everything we read is either like an R. Crumb <laughs> book or like or Dr. Seuss, but for some reason, Henry Himbo took me for a walk down Dumpster Street <laughs> and on past Harvard's red brick upper class dorms. He had assumed the style of an ageless Ivy Leaguer, glasses, a button-down, and an annihilated pair of chinos. He decided to major in history after flirting with philosophy. He said, There's an incredible emphasis on ethics in every field of study now, he explained. AI plus ethics, biology plus ethics, and effective altruism, a practice that calls for acquiring wealth and disseminating it according to principles of optimization and efficiency— Effective altruism is a huge trend on campus, seeping into oh everything. My god, no! <laughs> oh my no! god, it, it wormed its way in. He said, "Fuck!" He he said it has probably contributed to a good number of concentrators and secondaries in the philosophy department. Brutal man, Yo, brutal. This is the, that's the absence of ethics, dog. It, like these people Henry, that are I most of you. <laughs> Henry, Mr. Himbo, <laughs> you are not him. You are no himbo of mine. Nah, yo, dog. The reason I'm screaming like this because this is this this shit is just. I thought that this was just a vanity project, like you know, uh, idea of like you know the like elites, right? Like the people that like uh, at night can't really sleep at night because yeah. like not that they're guilty, but they're just kind of like oh shit, like yeah. these people are ready to kill me at any second, right? You know? Like I have to maximize my good in the world, as Martin Luther King said, I have to make the best use of my time, right? <laughs> and it's like, yo, like the fact that that is, I mean, I guess the way I'm thinking of it too is like the way that the CRT stuff has like creeped on campus, but not by students, right? So much as you know, by these right wing psychos that they don't even have kids in school. This is like a flip side with the liberal shit, you know? I mean, obviously, the CRT stuff is more insidious, but I don't know, man. This is disturbing. Yeah. This is disturbing. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point that, like, I, I too, thought it was kind of like a hobby, like, niche interest among the elite, but there are adherents. There are adherents in the university. They're a young kid. God, man, that's so depressing. God, yo. Um. It's the bleakest thing I've heard all week, bro. But another thing that is interesting is that the ethics thing. Like, there's an emphasis on ethics in every field of study now. And it, like, honestly, what that says to me, like, that really just goes to show the extent to which, like, the trolley dilemma has, like, entered into every single, like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's, like... People love that shit. People love the trolley dilemma so much. Like, because ev- well, that, that is everything in society now. Everything in society yes. is a trolley dilemma. It's like you even see yes. it in, like, with Ben Shapiro and them talking about, like, AI saying, like, the N word or whatever. Remember that? Yeah, like, yeah, yes, it's like, yes, yes. It's like, like, it's in everything. Well, well, it's also, too, like, I think, like, it's just, like, you know, if I'm understood right, the trolley problem is essentially about, like, uh, sacrifice, right? Like, who must be triage? Yes. Who should be yeah. willing to say? Triage, yeah. Yeah, right? So it's like, well, dog, the more that we're faced with not just futurelessness, but a awful fucking future. Yep. Like, the more that whether you're a liberal or whether you're a reactionary, because yep. liberals do it too. You don't think that liberals are apportioning. And I'm not even talking about class, because class, they're having their own interesting in fights and shit like that, where they're deciding out, like, who's going to come out on top. But liberals do the same fucking thing. Yo. It's all triage. You know You're right. It's triage all the way down, man. In, like, in like a face of no solutions and no future, it's like, all right, well, then who can we start 
throwing into the meat grinder. Yeah, who is already <laughs> expendable? You mean the people that have historically... Who are the expendable ones? Yeah. yeah. That's Class-wise and race-wise, you know? Th- that is but, fascinating that ethics is business... About yeah, how to be ethics. unethical? How to be... How to be ethical in an unethical world? Yeah, which means well, you're being the unethical. Cra- essentially, the, the 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 crazy thing you see too, in a lot of ways, is like they start making up problems. Like if you want anything, any like crackpot idea that you have to enter to introduce into society to gain mainstream acceptance, all you have to frame it as is like, well. This beats the alternative. And we've reached a point in society where we create and manufacture problems (laughs) just to introduce, like, ideas from the most craven, rapacious, bloodthirsty people alive. Like, even if you look at the smallest level of, like, what we've done with, like, Uber. Like, we've completely destroyed the cab driving profession in most American cities simply because some guy was like, hmm, you know what would be nice is if we could just get a, a ride on demand. It's it's like, there's nothing it's wrong the, with hailing a cab. What nothing wrong with like calling a cab. You know what I mean? You're right. You're nothing wrong with calling a cab at all. It's the same goddamn thing as Uber because they could be at your house when you want them to be, man. You're so right, dude. Oh, it's the it's man. the McKinseyization of everything that we were talking about. It's allowing a thousand train wrecks a year just so that like when one really bad one happens, you can say, Well, there's a nine hundred and ninety nine other ones. Why aren't you focusing on those? And trust us. We're going to get those ra- railroads regulated. <laughs> hey, yo, and it's so insidious too, man. Because again, like, it's like, it's like fortifying and stealing people's um, um, passions and hearts against, like, the coming bad. And I'm not saying, like, you know, the coming bad as if it isn't bad shit right now. But, like, when you get students, when you get, like, community members, like, average people who don't work at McKinsey, right, to start thinking in those, like, ways of triage and tribalism, you know, that's when, like... People are truly desensitized. I mean, we saw this shit during COVID, during the pandemic, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> um, well, let me fi- let me finish out with Himbo here. Um, I asked him <laughs> whether there seemed to be a dominant vernacular at Harvard. He's uh, The author says, when I was a student there... Okay, so the author went to Harvard. That's what you got to do. You, Aaron, you were saying Maybe, you wanted to write for the New Yorker. You got to go to Harvard. <laughs> I, I got to go to Harvard. Okay, okay. He should have disclosed that first, so I should have known, you know, for getting into this shit. He says, when I was a student there, people talked a lot about things being reified, quote-unquote reified. Um, Himbo told me that there there was a dominant vernacular, the language of statistics. One of the leading courses, this it goes to exactly what we were talking about. The, the one of the leading courses, yeah. One of the leading courses at Harvard now is introductory statistics, enrolling some seven hundred students a semester, up from ninety in two thousand five. Even if I'm in the humanities and giving my impression of something, somebody might point out to me, "Well, how? Well, who, who was your sample? How are you gathering your data?" I mean, statistics is everywhere. It's part of any good critical analysis of things. Statistics and ethics, dude. There, there, bro. It's where's like the, the classes for statistical ethicism or some shit like it's that, bro? The, you need is, to put them together. It really is the philosophical foundation of like just yeah, genocide. I mean, it's like yeah. seriously, on the side, on the side. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah, that's what you do is where, and I mean, it's it almost is perfect now in this computerized world we live in because now you don't really have to have human beings making those calculations about who lives or dies yep. you can just put that shit in the fucking put it in the algorithm print it out <laughs> yep. put it in the algorithm dog oh god damn yeah. it's something that's occurred to me about this whole ai debate it's like have you seen so i'll just go ahead and say this as you know this is mildly whatever 
I went to the Transcendental Meditation Temple yesterday to <laughs> check in with my guy. I play tennis with him sometimes and whatever. Uh-huh. And he was showing me this new app that they were working on. It's got all these different resources for meditation, whatever, whatever, you know. And, yes, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, one of the questions on the app of this, like, little, like, resource was, are machines sentient? Are machines uh, conscious? Because uh, their whole thing is consciousness. Are they conscious? Right. And this is like a debate you see on the TL every day and whatever, whatever. It pops up more and more. And it's occurred to me, the reason they're trying to shove this idea that machines are conscious down our throat is because they're going to need them to buy stuff at some point when we're all destitute. <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah. to keep all this running, like they need them to become as human-like as possible so they'll have somebody else to exploit after they've, like ground our bones to paste you know what i mean dude you, you you're right they you're, need new consumers dude it's yo it's yo dude you just wow son that just opened this shit up for me because now i'm thinking about it right because terrence you and i have talked about this like where um um affording agency to like ai and shit like that means that like you know the people who actually do fuck shit can just pass the buck to the computer the algorithm right yeah but then what you said tom if we get to that further point where we're actually questioning if AI if computers have like a, a um, consciousness, yeah, man, it's just so that we can just like have them buy shit, you know, well, so they can become consumers themselves. What know? was the dominant like stereotype of consum- consumerism in the '90s? I mean, it was like it, almost like it was like you were a robot. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just kind yeah. of like glassy-eyed in the supermarket, just buying things. You know what I'm saying? And and you're an automaton. You're an automaton, yeah. right? Yeah. It very yeah. Damn, bro. Um, so that means that we can't, we're not just going to have to have our own revolution. We got to have a revolution for the robots, man. Well, we got two, we basically got two <laughs> options. I heard, I heard Matt Crispin say something the other day that I thought was really smart. He was talking about like uh, these uh, Republicans, like really basically, at in, in essence, just kind of want everybody to shut up and enjoy in the fruits of the exploitation and all that kind of stuff. And really that's what they really mm-hmm. want ultimately. Like they're not mad on like philosophical or ideological grounds. They're just don't know why we can't quit bitching and just enjoy all this exploited of fruit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's, I think that is connected somehow to the question of like creating this new race of consumers. It's like either you shut up and enjoy the fruits of exploitation or like you're getting replaced by machines. And I heard Boots right. Riley say something one time where it was like, you know, and I've said this on the show before, where he was like, a lot of this is just bluster, like AI is just bluster because like they forget that robots don't buy shit. And I, I, mm. and I think that while that's certainly plausible, I also think it's just as plausible that they will figure out a way for robots to buy shit. <laughs> They will give robots sentience so they can choose what to buy, bro. Like, I swear. Also, too, I don't know, man. It, it just kind of gets me thinking, like, how, like, like I don't know. I guess, like, to be a worker, you know, I, I, I guess, like, you, you kind of are, like, a like a gear, an automaton in this larger system, right? You kind of are a machine, right? Like, you are an automaton, like, as a worker in a capitalist system in a way. So, I mean, I don't see why, instead of allowing people the free will and i know this is probably far off but instead of allowing human beings the free will to decide whether they want to even participate whether that participation is true 
You, know, you could just create your own little sentient race of beings that have no choice. I mean, this is Blade Runner or um, do androids kill, um, do dream of electric sheep. Right. I mean, that was essentially like, yeah, bro, we just created these robots so they could do work for us, you know? Right. So, you know. So maybe one day it won't be just, uh, you know, uh, black people or poor white people or, you know, uh, um, you know, migrants getting harassed and shot by the police. You know, maybe it'll be a <clears throat> robots, too, bro. Right. <laughs> um, well, let's let me, you know, I'll continue on here. Um, last school year, Spencer Glassman, a history major, argued in a column for the student paper that Harvard's humanities need to be more rigorous because they set no standards comparable to the, quote, tangible things that any student who completes stat 110 or physics 16 must know. He told me one could easily walk away with an A or A- and not have learned anything. All the STEM concentrators have this attitude that humanities are a joke. It's a fascinating, like, look at, like, how you have to be able to, like, quantify your you know, progress and success in this field in like a hard number or data set rather than like the thing that you acquire is the skill of writing or, or critical thinking or anything. And you yeah. could, because you can't quantify those things, then they're just like by their very nature, just completely useless. Dude, you know, that's, that's funny too. Cause I, part of the reason why I went to school, we were talking about like, you know, like, uh, I thought it could, you know, afford me some social mobility and like my parents didn't go to college. So I wanted to, but like, thirdly, like I just wanted to find more books to read. Right. Like I actually had a true intellectual curiosity and I felt like I would like a professor or a class or that structure would, or, you know, that curriculum would help me along this intellectual journey. And I couldn't imagine only trying to quantify it through numbers as how successful I was at doing that, you know, like, okay, I read like 20 yeah. books this year or this, you know, semester, you know what I mean? Yeah. Read the, so like, I can do that. Listen to this. This is, this kind of gets right at it. And like, I don't want it to get twisted. I'm not blaming the students themselves for, for like this yeah. decline in the humanities major. It, it yeah. is literally pretty much exclusively because we've turned the university into a private enterprise. You know what I'm saying? That yeah, like exists absolutely. specifically for like defense, like R and D and like, uh, yeah, when you say STEM, I feel like that's really where the, their energies, not the students themselves, I don't want to do that shit, but that's where those energies are getting funneled yeah. to places like Lockheed Martin. Right. You know I mean? But I'm just I'm just focusing on the students reporting of yeah. this just because it's a reflection of how they see the environment of the university. This guy says, I think the problem for the humanities is you can feel like you're not really going anywhere and that's very scary. You write one essay better than the next from one semester to the next. Or you write one essay better than the other from one semester to the to the next. That's not the same as, you know, being able to solve this economics problem or code this thing or do policy analysis. It's like, yeah, I mean... That's fair. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's like from their perspective, it's like you have to have this hard quantifiable thing and... Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's it makes it makes total sense why people would shy away from humanities in that context. Well, because if you write a though, dude, that's so fair. Because like like I was saying before, if you don't have the love for the game, like when I write a story, right, like I have some satisfaction that I did it, right? Sure, I might show it to people. If it even gets published, that's fucking amazing. But like that's not something that you could really quantify. And when you are, I mean, I'm be honest, when you're in a society, especially if you're a you know, you're in the humanities and again using writing where your craft is not really treasured 
unless it's used as a commodity for you to fucking write a screenplay for a big dumb fucking movie or some shit like that then if there's no recognition of the work that you do not I'm, I'm talking about compensatory recognition but i'm saying like oh you actually did something that makes you feel satisfied and other people recognize it then what's the fucking point of doing it you know what i mean yeah like if you don't you know what I, mean? I can imagine being a young person and going especially thinking about the future in the workforce like yeah i'm not going to just do this shit so i can write stories and feel good about myself you know uh, yeah and especially in today's like highly competitive like workforce exactly. like environment exactly like yeah. yeah motherfucker i'm not right you ain't get paid writing those stories motherfucker become a doctor become a lawyer right no no i don't mean that to listeners yeah. keep writing please <laughs> <laughs> please please i'm just saying that's the way that you know, I can imagine people think like that <laughs> There are some there are some amusing um, like attempts by humanities departments to market humanities like um, to STEM think, majors or just people um, or just market in general yeah, yeah. to try to attract more students into these programs. Mm-hmm. At I think at Arizona State they had a let's see this professor Cohen decided to teach a course called making a career with the humanities major. One of the, one of the things the students do is choose a famous humanities major and write about that person. Many students are first generation and bringing the weight of the family tradition with them in the, to the classroom. If they know that someone like John Legend studied literature and made a great career, they're like, okay, <laughs> bro, you, John Legend is the worst example, dog. It's the softest motherfucker in the world, bro. He should be, he's a valedictorian of the soft curriculum, bro. <laughs> You don't think, think John Legend? You got he a whole the Lord of and writers. Master of the Soft. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like okay, maybe I, uh, maybe I can help you guys out. Like maybe part of the problem is the marketing. You look at the people like John Legend, dog. Come on, son. Um, let's see. Uh, pretty sure DMX had a English degree. No, I'm making that up. I do not know that. Rest in peace, by the way. DMX had a an anointing. That's that su- supersedes any degree bestowed <laughs> by the academy. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You're right. You're right. Well, um, so you know, part of this, you know, they they he interviewed a guy. Who, there were there were quotes of this article going around, and one of the guys he interviewed was a professor who, you know, said something to the effect that like. You know, I don't even I don't even read anymore. Like the humanities professor, he said, I don't even read anymore. I'm on my phone all the time. I'm reading tweets and articles and stuff like that. But then, real, like, um, real shit. But then, like, another part of the article got into um, this. Uh, what is it? Five hundred and forty-four thousand square foot science and engineering complex on Harvard campus. Um, which cost a billion dollars. Just inside the entrance, an enormous painted wall display read, Our Research Tackling Societal Challenges. Um, placards noted noted that the complex, in the spirit of the Ark, the, the Ark, by the way, yeah. Noah's Ark, <laughs> Noah's Ark? What the fuck? Could, could maintain critical research activities during the grid loss and floods of a hundred-year storm. Um... <clears throat> Uh, you know, and then you know Larry Summers, I think, is the person who kind of made this happen because he was he became Harvard president in like two thousand one. I don't think he still is, but mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I just thought that that was an interesting and like Larry Summers is like intent on turning Harvard into like the next Silicon Valley, just like all these people. Like the like ASU's president is also a a, a guru, like a tech guru guy. 
Um, <clears throat> let me let me ask you a question, Terrence. Is that is that mural supposed to be? All right. So like, if STEM majors and again, listeners, if you're a STEM major, I'm not saying you do this, but from read from the article we just read, um, you know, thinking of, well, I guess we were just talking about not taking humanities majors seriously, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like thinking that, oh, this is like silly. And I mean, I could say that as like for a humanities major, I would look at like STEM folks and be like, you guys are like, I mean, unethical. And it just seems like, you know, like I'm not making these accusations, by the way. But what I'm trying to say, does it seem like they want to humanize STEM? You know what I mean? Like they want to give it like a social orientation that isn't just about hard facts and statistics. Is that why ethics as well as big is a big part, you know, in STEM STEM majors or curriculums now i think that's a big part of it according to this article and you got to keep in mind i'm not an expert i don't the last time i was on a college campus uh was probably by accident or something you know like i I was buying weed the last time i was on college (laughs) i was not going to class i was buying weed (laughs) i think that like stem fields probably are kind of reaching out more towards in some ways like you said, the AI and ethics and stuff, they're reaching out a little more towards the humanities direction. But it looks like the humanities are also reaching out in the STEM direction. Like, there's been an explosion in people majoring in social studies, which is mm. this weird, you know, hybrid course of, like, policy analysis and... Uh, we called this social studies back when I was in grade school. It's, and then yeah. when I got to high school, it phased out, and it was just history. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a little bit different, maybe. Okay, okay. But I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But like this this kind of gets at it, like this whole passage right here. I thought, I thought this was very fascinating. Larry Summers imagined the next summer Silicon Valley with all that it means and all that it brings, with an emphasis on industrial opportunities for biomedical research. In Beyond the Ivory Tower, Derek Bach, Harvard's president throughout the 70s and 80s, had warned about quote-unquote commercial ventures posing dangerous dangers for the quality of research and even for the intellectual integrity of the university itself. At the time, such doubts prevailed. When, in 1980, the gene transcription pioneer Mark Patash was induced to launch a bioengineering company from his professorship, storm clouds rose around him. Summer's appointment, like ASU's presidential appointment the following year of the tech policy special mu- specialist Michael Crow, signaled an openness to business with the new global private sector. Um, so it's like basically what you've seen in the last like 20, 30 years is, is all of these inter- you know universities basically opening up their doors to like enterprise to like we said r&d like defense technology a lot of these universities of course did that throughout the 20th century of course but uh but it but this is this is like the end this is like the like sort of an end goal like in like it's like oh you come to school so that you can be involved you know what i mean yeah we are attracting enterprise instead of enterprise being like oh there are smart fucking kids there that can make us some bombs that'll kill a lot of people. All yeah. right, let's go there. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. That is exactly right, right. Um, Jesus Christ. So anyways, you know, I don't know. There's not, not a whole lot to, not a whole lot else to say about it um, <clears throat> other than, you know, like maybe maybe humanities, maybe they need to start marketing into something else. Like, you know, humanities <laughs> implies human, and maybe you need to, human. they need like walking 
in like uh, in humanities or Walking Dead humanities. You know what I'm saying? In humanities. Yeah, you go. In humanities. We we just need to lie. We need to. What we need to do is uh. <laughs> we need. We need le- to have. <laughs> we need to learn. <laughs> that is exactly right. We need to learn lying, cheating, stealing. Exactly. Exactly. Riverboat Killing gambling, gambling <laughs> murder, gambling, possibly murder. <laughs> We need, we need to do the things that all the STEM majors. I'm kidding, STEM that majors. Is I'm, dude, that, I that majored is ex- in stealing. <laughs> <laughs> I majored in stealing. Uh, T. What's T? Terrorism. Uh, e. <laughs> e. 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 What the fuck is a good E for, bro? Um, I don't know. Uh, not, not entrepreneurship, dog. No. Okay. Stealing. Yeah, we need a new STEM. Stealing. <laughs> stealing. Terrorism. Terrorism. <laughs> embezzlement. Embezzlement. <laughs> And and murder, murder, money laundering, <laughs> laundering. <laughs> well, and we, we pick your flavor. If you if you, 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 you do a little softer, you go money laundering. You could do stem s t e m m. So it's like stealing, terrorism, embezzlement, money laundering, and murder. Laundering and murder. <laughs> Yo, stem. Cool that shit. <laughs> Bro, I'm gonna pitch that show to Netflix. Listen, Netflix, if you're listening, it's a show about a bunch of stem majors, and their prospects for the future are very low. So they get into stealing, terrorism, embezzlement. Murder and money, and money laundering. laundering. It's called STEM. I, I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, in my book club last night. Where next book we're tackling is uh, Huey Newton's Revolutionary Suicide, and we opened it up oh, last yeah. night by reading this uh, essay about by this guy Booker. I can't remember his first name, um, but basically he was like talking about like how the Panthers sort of made a mistake sort of welcoming the quote-unquote lumpen proles into the ranks and stuff. And, you know, and, and he was basically saying, you know, in Oakland at the time, this was the, you know, the, the boys on the corner and, you know, dope boys and pimps and hustle, whoever it was, you know what I mean? And, like, this was like, you know, it reeked a little bit of respectability politics and also it reeked a little bit of, like, I don't know, whatever. And classism, like classism, like kind of like like. I mean, I'll go ahead. I I kind of know what you mean, though. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I know yeah, you know what I mean. It was like it just had like a slightly conservative tone to it. Like, isn't it bad that uh, they they let in these guys that were like you know selling dope or whatever it was they were doing to hustle? You know, yeah, whatever. yeah. And uh, like, and how this was like proved that they were like undisciplined and like this was like ended up being their downfall or whatever. In the back of my mind, I'm like. This flies in the face of righteous gangsterismo. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with this. I see. I think we need more of that element. I'm like, we do, we do. We need more seedy characters. We need more rogues, more ruffians. If uh, no, dude, they would they would unilaterally, single handedly see humanities majors like skyrocket. Like we we're we're humanities, but we have a new STEM. Well, this is the new fucking stem, bitch. This is the new stem. <laughs> You'll see us uh, leaning up on side of the building with leather jackets, uh, smoking well, cigarettes. You know? The thing is, yeah, the, the, cool. the thing that, like, the I was thinking, thing. exactly, like, yeah, look it cool. The thing I was thinking though, like reading about all this, is like, yo, you could easily. So I mean, like, what what is what is humanities? Like, what what even is history? <laughs> like, what is history? Like, what is English? Like, it's storytelling, right? Like, it's yeah. it's analysis and it's storytelling, and That's it's right. like you, after all these guys have you know all after all these graduates have gone into STEM and become extremely disillusioned after they've designed their thirteenth state of the art drone 
bomber. Like they're going to need to process that. And how are they going to do that? Mm. Writing. They're going to have to put it into a story. They're going to have to write about it. So, you know, you never that, that is a that's how they should be marketing it. <laughs> And that that's absolutely true, man. What we should do is, uh, 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 you can be the next, uh, God, what's the guy? What's the guy that uh, that that worked that was in the British Army intelligence shit and then went went to write James Bond or some shit like oh, that? Oh, Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming. Yeah. yeah, you could be the next Ian Fleming. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know, write about your uh, exploits uh, developing uh, viruses in a lab for the United States. Government, totally. You know? John John Le Carre <laughs> was also in uh, MI6. Was he? Yeah, I fuck, mm. I fuck, I fucking love John. I mean, it's a guilty pleasure, but I love that shit. I don't like hey, what he was up to, but I appreciate his art. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't know about the espionage, but otherwise, yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, we gotta hop off here. It's uh, we are over our, our allotted time. Um. Mm. Before we go, one thing I, I want to say, one thing I want to uh, clear the air with, um, the U.S. government is now saying Havana Syndrome is not real. So any um, any closing thoughts on that one? What do we make of that? What is the... <laughs> if, if they told Ma- you imagine that. that. I think... Imagine that. My, th- my, my s- theory on this, my suspicion... Mm. Is that they are all obviously they're online because I mean who the fuck knows how many like anonymous accounts are actual just CIA assets you know what I'm saying like just spreading yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever the fuck so like they're As all opposed to Russian bots yeah all CIA ex- exactly so like they're all very online and they've all seen us clowning on them and so they're like oh uh I mean we don't have we knew it wasn't real we knew it wasn't real <laughs> we knew it wasn't real <laughs> you know you know what I'll say. I'll, I'll say in all seriousness. I'll say in all seriousness. If uh, if they lied to you about Havana syndrome, think about what else they may be lying to you about. You know, remember September eleventh, two thousand one. Yeah. Well. No, seriously. Who knows? Who knows? The they UFO. They lying to you about a lot of things. Yeah. The UFO shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that that is so funny that we live at a time where uh, the United States has to say to people. Or feels the need to say to people, you know that uh that uh that weapon that that death ray, that retro futuristic nineteen fifties pulp comic book fucking weapon that we uh-huh. were talking about, it's not real. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Like, Imagine that. Uh, one last quick hitter before we sign off here. Louisville Mayor Craig Greenberg made the announcement this morning about new investments in the Louisville Metro PD. Yes, that Louisville Metro PD that uh, murdered Breonna Taylor. Uh, included in this is a new wellness center for the officers. $1.6 million in public funds going for that. And then they're getting another $14 million in federal COVID funds fast-tracked to them. So. Amazing. You Bro, murder somebody, guess what? You level you get a, up and get your own private gym. A wellness I'm, center. I mean, bro, it's like it's like... I mean, here in Atlanta, you know what I mean. Like, in it's similarly, cop city. We, have, yeah. we have we have a playground for the fucking cops after they spent a summer beating the after they fucking you know kill Rashad Brooks. Yeah, you know they can saying? get on a little slide and a little uh, jungle yeah. gym. Like, I exactly. I'm distressed. Like, I'm this little kid again. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I'm telling you, dog. If if you if you're if you're a uh, last thing I'll say last thing, last thing. <laughs> hey, we I just burnt down an auto zone. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Wee! I just left a pile of bricks by an angry, an angry crowd of people. <laughs> you should make kids shows with that voice, man. You should make, make kids shows for the kids. Ah, but like you know, look, look, look. This is what he said. Like, look, like we we said this for you. Listening, you're rich. Uh, if you happen to be a wealthy listener, um, you know, if you are a, a class trader. Uh, you'd be a lot better off uh, buying uh, weapons, armaments um, for dudes in Southwest Atlanta <laughs> than you would giving money to any politician or any cause. You know, so yeah. Uh, you know, you know. Oh man! You know that's how you get the kids uh, to take humanities. Give them. You know, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, that's what the CIA tried to stop. Actually, that's part of our STEM curriculum. Is like how to obtain a nuclear weapon as a group of private citizens. <laughs> <laughs> how to make your own nuclear weapon as a private citizen <laughs> that is, that is yeah. a step major right there that's oh, true shit. that's true how to split the atom in your garage <laughs> how to split the atom in your garage <laughs> oh, well shit. i have to say the origins of the hydron collider started in solomon kentucky so hmm. stranger Get, things yeah. have happened <laughs> crazier things you it could be you yeah it could be you man um all right everybody we gotta sign off here but please go to the patreon um you know where to find it it's in the it's in the patreon section of the podcasts department so you know you can find it there thanks for listening we'll see you next time adios bye